Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to 2022's first episode of Getting It Out podcast. The song you just heard was Sword Woman by Maul. Maul is a traditional heavy metal band out of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, which is a lot of places, but only one place also. You know, there's three names in there for one place, so that can be a little confusing, but I think you know what I mean. It's a city in Canada. In a territory in Canada? Is it a territory or province, British Columbia? I'm not sure. All that we can be sure of is that they have bad teeth and uh, cocaine addictions there. You know, that's the mashup. It's like one of those mashups. It's like that uh, that Bobby Ramone album going around right now with the Ramones and Bob Marley, which, by the way, I have no interest in hearing, uh, mainly because it's uh, reggae. And anytime I get the opportunity, I'll bring up my reggae joke that, ironically, I dread reggae. Anyway, moving on. Maul's debut full-length is self-titled and it's coming out on Gates of Hell Records this Friday, January 14th. Gates of Hell Records is a sub-label of Cruz del Sur Music, which is based out of Rome, Italy. And it just so happens that this week's guest, Nate Tyson of the band Spellbook, is also on that label, Cruz del Sur Music. So you see how we tied it in there? And they also seem to play music that you might call traditional, and you'll probably call heavy metal, you might call it classic rock, although it's not quite classic, it's got the sound, you know what I'm saying, right? It's just rock and roll, baby. That's what we're talking about on this episode. Nate Tyson from Spellbook, coming at you real quick, but first, it's time for the Getting It Out podcast intro song. Let's do the long version. Let's break it in for the year. Yeah, what's good, all you bitches and bitches? It's the illustrious hot dog, back at it again with another podcast intro. They said, oh, you want to do a podcast intro for the Getting It Out podcast? I said, oh, shit, I got to write a rap verse, don't I? They said, no, you don't got to write a rap verse. The hardcore podcast I said, all right, I think I can maybe make that happen. Let's see what we can do. Kick it. Make family out of friends, make friends out of enemies. Peace to my family, make friends till they bury me. All the places we've been, we're never sitting it out. We be getting it in, where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been, we're never sitting it out. We be getting it in, where you getting it out? Yeah, out. All right, motherfuckers, you're in the right place at the right time. Rest in peace, Jay Money, and LFTW forever. Okay, so it's the new year, 2022. I don't know if we can still call it the new year. We're nine days in at this point as I record this. Um, But, you know, we're near enough into the new year that we can still reference it, at least in conversation. I think that's fair. All right, I do think that's fair that we recognize we're in a different year. You're probably still writing the date wrong. I would, too, if I used writing implements. I don't use any writing implements, or at least I try not to. I use all texts. I use my thumbs to text. And uh, my fingers to type, right? That's the way we do it uh, in 2022. No more pencils in 2021. How about that? No more pencils. Get rid of them. Um, yeah, so, so so far this year has been all right. And I know that's like a, supposed to usually be a, a joke of some sort. But I'm being serious. It's been all right this year. Last year kind of ended not so great um, in some respects. In other respects, it was great. But yesterday we were able to start off the year with a little bit of healing from some of the bad things at the end of last year. We had the memorial show here locally from my dear friend Scotto. Um, and the show was ravaged by COVID problems, which I think everything is lately. 
everything's fucked up by COVID and there's not much we can do about it unless you just want to start ignoring it, which I am on board with. We can do that. I'm, I'm game. Um, but anyway, so we had this show yesterday. The lineup changed tons of times because people couldn't play. They were on and then they, and they weren't and then they were on and they weren't. Um, I want to thank the people who, who sent me stuff so I was able to provide a raffle to raise extra money for his family. It went great. Uh, we were able to raise uh, quite a few thousand dollars. So that's awesome. That was very helpful. Big thanks to the bands that did play. Uh, Kirkby Kiss especially because they also sent stuff ahead of time um, without even being on the show. And then they eventually got added to the show just out of kind of a coincidence. Um, Fluffer is a local band here. There's also a guy who played the show acoustically. Just him and his guitar doing cover songs. And I thought he was great. His name was Blake Hillard. Um, he could have played longer. Uh, that would have been fine with me. Who else was on this? Uh, no Good Deed from Ohio, Pennsylvania. I introduced him as that way, and I don't think they liked it very much. And now I can't let it go. I'm sorry, guys. It's just a funny thing to me. I like saying Ohio, Pennsylvania. And if uh, somebody was from uh, like Cleveland, I'd say they're from Pennsylvania, Ohio. You know, do you get the joke here? It's all the same spot. That's what I do. Anyway, uh, they were awesome. They had a great response. They, actually, when I talked to them after they played and I thanked them for playing, they said it was like one of the best responses they ever had. So uh, it was very cool to see that and hear that. Um, also on the show was Split. You might know Split from back in like episode 40-something when I had Willie Blaze on to uh, to have a conversation about that band at that time. They've been broken up since then, but they were able to put together a last-minute set to headline this one. It went off well. They sounded great for a band who hasn't played in so long. And I'm very thankful that everybody was able to do what they did for the cause. I gotta say, it was the first time I was at a hardcore show in that area for a very long time. And it was not the same as I left it. Which is fine, you know, things change. I don't know that it changed for the better, but who the fuck am I to judge a thing that I'm not so involved in anymore? You know, that would be that would be uh, self-righteous of me, I guess. So I'm not going to do that. It's just different. And, and you know, it's weird when you used to look around the room and know everybody in there. Now you still know a good amount of people, but there's a different attitude. There's a different tone to everything. And uh, I don't know. It was interesting. An interesting perspective. And uh, it wasn't bad. I can tell you that. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just a different thing. All right. So, speaking of local stuff, my guest today is Nate Tyson of York, Pennsylvania's Spellbook. I grew up in York, Pennsylvania. Nate grew up in York, Pennsylvania. And uh, we talk a little bit about that. So, if, you, if you're not down for some local talk, that's fine. But it's here. You're going to have to skip past it. Or you can just jump right now. All right. You don't need to listen to this. But I suggest you do. Especially if you're not familiar with Spellbook and you like rock and roll music because Spellbook encompasses all the greatest things about rock and roll music and puts them in a nice pretty little package specifically on their last album, Magic and Mischief, out now on Cruz del Sur Music and available everywhere digitally. So, before I go too long into that, I might as well play you a song from that record. How about the first song on that record? It's called Wands to the Sky. Check it out now.
All right, well, the first order of business should be, which Black Sabbath albums do you recognize? <laughs> um, I'd say all of them, including Dio. After that, I'm lost. You're out or, or you're just lost? Okay, because I think, I think a lot of people are just lost. They're not, it's not that they're... It's not that they yeah. don't like them. It's that they're not even aware of them. Um, I'm aware of them. I just never gave them really a shot, I guess. But I know people that love those records. So I, don't, I can't say, you know what I mean? I can't say that I shun them. I just, ne- you know, just never really gave them a shot. Yeah, I hear that. I was I, I, The reason I asked this is I was uh, having a conversation the other night and uh, somebody said, like, ah, Dio's the worst Black Sabbath singer. And I was like, well, that's... That's ridiculous. He's probably the best, but um, but he's also like there's so many Black Sabbath singers, and the person I was talking, the two people I was talking to were like, "What are you What are you talking about?" I'm like, uh, "Come on, man. There's like, there's like, I don't know. I don't even know the exact number, but you have Ian Gillen, you have Tony Martin, you have what's the other guy? I'm forgetting. Um, whatever. You have uh, you you have several I people, right? That for Tony Martin. I don't even know who else sang for him after that. Uh, there's the guy. I think I think it's the Eternal Idol album. Or is that Tony Martin? I don't know, but there's a there's a, there's a name there's a name I'm forgetting um, that 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 I'd say and you'd recognize. But anyway, I, so lately I was going through and I was listening listening to those records and just thinking, you know, if these weren't Black Sabbath records, they'd be pretty good, you know, <laughs> which is which yeah, is weird. Totally. Yeah, and it's not so much uh, the singers, but I mean, but they change styles yeah. hardcore with each like guy pretty much. so it's like you're more talking like which era as opposed to like which singer is the best you know what i mean because obviously dio is a better singer than ozzy right but the ozzy material is my favorite yes I, i'd agree i'd agree too uh but but those those dio albums and i also will not quite include it as the same but dehumanizer is pretty awesome too but, but bob rules and heaven and hell stand on their own uh, but yeah, nothing com- nothing compares with the original stuff. But yeah, anyway, that's yeah. Once once they got Dio, they like just dumbed everything down to like just a generic heavy metal sound. Whereas like the stuff they were doing with Ozzy, it's like evil jazz doom rock. You know, it's like way more interesting to me than what. Not to say the stuff they did with Dio was bad. It was just a completely different band at that point. Yeah, no, it's, I I would never call it bad. I think it's I think it's fantastic. I think it's amazing that they were able to do that. But it's it's not the same. Like, I, and this is why I brought this up with you because you you're a guy who likes this type of music. Like to me, when I listen to uh, Deep Purple, I don't get the longevity that I get from Black Sabbath, even though they went longer. And uh, I don't know, they, they probably had the same turnover rate. But uh, there's I don't know. You're a big Deep Purple guy. How do you feel about them? Um, my personal favorite is the Coverdale um, okay. era, Burn and uh, Stormbringer. I think those two albums for me are like peak. That's like you want to talk like proto metal. They kind of invented it with those two records. That's, I can't can't argue against that. I just I've, I mean, Machine Head is so good though that I have a hard time putting any Deep Purple above that one. But uh, but uh, but I'll allow it. Like, yeah, Machine Head's definitely like their classic classic. You know, it has like all the hits on it. Um, they even like the like their first, like their very first record, Shades of Deep singer. Purple. Yeah, with the singer that went on to be in uh, Sir Lord Baltimore, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, of course, I know Sir Lord Bo- Sir Lord Baltimore, but I'm not sure if it was that same guy. Yeah, that singer went on to like be in that band or 
other band. I don't, but yeah, like that first record sounds nothing like, you know, the other two eras. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. But it doesn't, but it's all, but it's all pretty good. Although I can't, I can't quite, uh, Deep Purple now is a little tough, you know, like they just, they sound like old guys. That's, <laughs> I don't know if you listen to new Deep Purple records, but they sound like old guys. That's okay. Well, they, they, they earned it, but yeah. My drummer loves like all things Deep Purple and he praises their new stuff too. I haven't heard much of it, but I know he would kill me if I was like, yeah, the new stuff sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, the, the, I think the name of their last album was Whoosh. And uh, yeah. that's, that's kind of. That's kind of the way you feel when you listen to it. You're just kind of like, whoosh. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> like, hang it up, guys. But don't. But don't because you deserve it. You know, you can do it. Um, that's oh, like. Right, right. It's like uh, recently I finally saw Judas Priest for the first time. And uh, oh, yeah. and not that good. Like, like Halford was great. You know what I mean? Like, he's it's amazing he's doing what he's doing when he's, what, like 70 years. But, uh, but uh, you know, they're getting through it. But it's but I definitely missed the peak. Yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty yeah, evident I, at this point. I saw them about ten years ago, and they were fucking awesome. Um, but now they just announced they're continuing on as a four piece with just one guitar player. Yeah, this is interesting. Get rid of Andy Sneap, but uh, you no know. idea how they're going to pull that off. But. <laughs> uh, backtrack backing tracks, but we'll you see. Have to right? <laughs> I'd imagine, yeah. Uh, I'm sure uh, KK Downing's ready to step in anytime. He's got KK's Priest all warmed up. He's, which is a lame ass move. That. I, I heard that record. <laughs> I don't. I don't particularly like it. I just find it to be such an odd move to name your band after your old band while it still exists. <laughs> you know, it's a little I weird. Guess it's like, I guess you want to grab your old fans. I guess the name I don't know. <laughs> well let's let's segue this into talking about your band it'd be like if you would name your band when you changed your name you changed it to which hazel's spellbook yeah right yeah which hazel's spellbook yeah right <laughs> which by the way you are in the band spellbook and your name is nate and you do vocals for spellbook correct this is true yes that's, that's what i thought that's what i was hoping or else this would be an odd conversation to have with a stranger <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, uh, so okay. So, if we'll, we'll we'll do the full transparency to people who will be listening to this. This is our second run at an interview here because we had some technical difficulties, and which meant that I couldn't hear you on the recording. So we're doing this again. So, uh, so that's that's why if uh, people listening, if you're like, why do these guys sound like they're referencing a previous conversation? Because we are. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so try to make sense of that. Professional about it, right? We're another swing. That's right. That's right. But I'm glad. I'm glad we are because I really like Spellbook and I really like what you're doing before it with Witch Hazel. Um, but I wasn't totally into Witch Hazel because I didn't like the name. You changed the name not too long ago. Why did you change the name from Witch Hazel to Spellbook? So uh, with our second full length album, Otherworldly. Um, you really started to get traction with that. Um, that was the first album that we were actually starting getting uh, label interest in the band. And we came really close to signing a few times, but um, basically the name was what was holding us back. Um, there was, well, there is another band over in the UK called Witch Hazel. They spell witch with a Y, so it's slightly different. Yeah. 
they're already signed. They already have a few albums out, and they're similar enough in style to us. They're like a traditional, like new wave of British heavy metal type style. Um, but basically, whenever a label would be interested in us, they would look the name up, and there would already be, already be a witch hazel that would pop up. Yeah. So that was a huge issue. Um, but we decided to, you know, just stick to our guns and just try to out survive that other witch hazel in the UK. So we uh, continued writing. We recorded our latest record, Magic and Mischief, uh, and that was going to be under the name Witch Hazel. And again, we got more uh, label interest with that, and we got to talking to Cruz del Sur Music from Italy, and uh, they were gung-ho about the record. They wanted to put it out, uh, and then same thing happened. They looked us up, and... It, it's not even like that there's another signed band in the UK with like the same name. There's like a cover band in Pennsylvania, our same state with the same name. <laughs> so, uh, so the label searches, you know, which Hazel band. And the first thing that comes up is like, like, Oh, it says here, they're a cover band. Like, what is this? I'm like, Oh no, no, no. That's, that's another witch Hazel. They're like, well, well this is no good. That's like, a problem right away. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then they do some more digging and discover the other witch hazel in the UK that actually has records out and everything. So they came to us and they said, basically, we will put the record out under the name Witch Hazel if you want. But we strongly suggest uh, you change the name just for like marketing and promotional reasons, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was at that time we just decided to pull the trigger and say, all right. We're going through this bullshit again. Let's just clean slate. We're getting signed. We're going to reach a whole new audience, you know, with this album. So it might as well, like, it's now or never with the name change. So we decided to switch the name to uh, Spellbook, which is uh, an old Witch Hazel song off of our first record. And we figured Spellbook kind of uh, encapsulates, you know, the, the image and vibe that we're still going with, you know, lyrically and, like, thematically with the band. So... That's how that went down. And why why is spellbook one word? I mean, it looks like two words, but it's one word, right? Because you capitalize the B. What's is is that an aesthetic reason? Why did you, why did you decide to do it this way? I, I guess the thought process for me was let's um, make it one word because it would probably be more easy to trademark and copyright mm. um, if there is another avoid the same problem. Yeah. So like, kind of like looking forward this time around like uh it was our drummer nick's idea uh to change it to a spell book and i was like okay well that's great but how many hundreds of other bands have that name because you'd imagine uh today there's probably a million of them but right. we did our research we looked around and we actually could not find any other band with the name Spellbook. shockingly so we're like okay well that's it let's do it um and so we decided to make it one word Basically, um, so in case there is another band down the road that decides to call their band Spellbook, they're probably going to do two separate words, whereas we are one word just to like help stand out, you know, just to further identify ourselves. Yeah. Now, imagine that would happen. Do you feel, well, all right, just because you've been in these shoes, if there were another Spellbook to pop up, how do you think you would treat that situation now? Like if in a couple of years there's another spell book like spelled exactly the same, and 
you've been there before. You've been on the bad end of this. How would you handle it with, with another band? Do you feel that maybe you would have some sympathy because you've been through it before? And you might not, uh, might not go after them? Or do you feel like it's time to, it's time to return the favor to someone else? Well, I, uh, I guess it depends. Um, I think we do own the trademark to the new okay. book. All right. Um, so with that in mind, we do have you know the authority to throw out a cease and desist if need be, um, and especially that now that we have you know a label backing us up, they would probably agree to do the same thing. Right um, now, if it's you know I don't know if it's just a guy doing cover songs and putting them out like no big deal, but if it's like an actual full lineup band gigging around. Especially if they're trying to do like the same like style of music as us, <laughs> and yeah. the same the same aesthetic. Because you guys got a whole, you guys got like a whole theme to your band, right? There's it's more than just the sound, is what I would say. We yeah, we try to. Um, I've always been a fond believer, and if you're gonna play live, give put on a show and have them have the people give the people something to look at, you know, along yeah. with the music. Because um, I grew up you know, worshiping bands like Kiss and the Misfits. So, uh, you know, theatrics and visually arresting bands have always been my thing. And that's something I've always wanted to do, especially, uh, you know, since we are going for like that 70 rock and roll aesthetic, we want to look the part, you know, we want to be the the whole package. We don't want to just have the sound and then you see the band and they just look like normal dudes. I don't know. That's always been a bummer to me. Yeah. Do you you don't do you don't do stage names though, do you? Not yet. <laughs> uh, no, um, no, we just go by you know our real name. I don't know. Um, we we did just recently acquire two new members. We got two new guitar players, and uh, the one guy was like really pushing to be to have like a stage name. Yeah, <laughs> it just wasn't. It just wasn't happening. I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea, dude. <laughs> well, it, I don't. It wouldn't be the worst thing you guys could do. I, if you had, if you had stage names, I would think it would be fine. But you already started without having them, so I, I, I guess you're committed to not. Uh, I'm not going to try to push you in any direction. <laughs> but <laughs> all right, so you've been, so you essentially, Spellbook has been a band for quite a while at this point. How many years into this are you? We formed the band in 2007. All right. And you put out at least three full lengths. Is that right? Three full lengths and a 28-minute concept song about vampires. So, <laughs> yes, that's right. That's, that's right. And uh, what, what people might be confused by if they try to look you up, like you mentioned, is that the previous material is uh, under the name Witch Hazel, but the latest album, Magic and Mischief, which came out in, what is it, September... September 25th of 2020, I think, is the exact date. Um, so that's that came out, and like you mentioned, on Cruz del Sur Music, which is a really cool metal label out of Italy. How did you end up on Cruz del Sur from York, Pennsylvania to, where are they based out of, Rome? Uh, yes, I believe so. Right, so York, Pennsylvania to Rome, Italy. How does that, how does that connection get made? Um, so we've been friends with uh, this band called Pale Divine. Um, and their drummer, uh, after playing a gig with them one night, they're like, hey, so who's putting your uh, new album out? And we just kind of laughed at them like we are, you know, like nobody's interested. <laughs> in us. And Is that how the previous like, Witch Hazel records were released? Were they all self-released? 
Yeah, everything. Yeah. And uh, so we were just so used to doing it ourselves. You know, he's like, well, let me talk to some people and, you know, I'll see if I can get some ears on your music because I think it, it should be put out like legit. Um, so his band, Pale Divine, had recently signed with Cruz Del Sur, and he's the one that uh, sent it to his guy who worked for Cruz Del Sur, and then he sent it to the president of the label, and then it was kind of a done deal after that. That's awesome. And it was, I mean, it's Cruz Del Sur is a great fit for Spellbook, too. I mean, I know they do, they, uh, I don't know, what would you say? They do, they do a lot more... Um, it's all it's they're all metal, right? Yeah, they're definitely um, based in like traditional heavy metal, right? And you, um, you guys aren't that far off from that. I mean, you're not that, but you're, but you're no, yeah, you're close. No, we're definitely more of like a '70s rock and roll uh, sound. And even the label themselves said like we're kind of taking a chance on you guys because you're not you know our typical kind of band that we usually work with but um the album went really well and they were very happy with the results of it so yeah i think it's a great fit that's awesome um so i guess if, if they say it went well i assume you think it went well too because it's been out now for uh jesus a year and a half ish getting towards half ish not quite there but a year and a, a year and yeah. change um what, what has your opinion been of the reception magic and mischief uh, it's been amazing. Um, I think we we sold out of vinyl in Europe, I think, six months after the release. Um, and then we sold out of vinyl here in America. I mean, we might have like one or two copies left, you know. But yeah. um, And then we, we also sold out of CDs every. So, I mean, yeah, it's been amazing. And even uh, the label put out a statement online saying like, hey, we just want to congratulate Bellbook. Uh, for selling out of, you know, vinyl. And they're, like, super happy with our success and blah, blah, blah. And so just by pure record sales, like, well, we sold out of our shit. So, but yeah, it went pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Now I just need you to repress it because I never got a copy on vinyl. So if you just ah, re man. just go ahead and repress it for that one copy because I know there's no delays yeah, at pressing plants right now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's the other thing, too. Well, this whole thing, I think, well, when we talked last time, and I know this from... Um, the notes too. Uh, I saw that you recorded this with Kevin Bernston of Developing Nation Studio, which is a which is a studio that I'm familiar with. It's a guy I'm familiar with. I recorded with him twice, um, and typically he does not not this right, not this music. Typically it's it's death metal, it's grind, it's hardcore, it's stuff that was all over A three eight nine records, stuff that's on Relapse Records now. You know, like much grimier shit. Um, so how did you end up working with him to begin with? Right. So our first, uh, bass player, Andrew Harris, uh, he's currently in a band called Alms based in Baltimore and they recorded their last album at developing nations with Kevin. And when it got time for us to start looking for studios for magic and mischief, he highly recommended working with Kevin. Um, so we looked into him. Um, I think I saw I saw some interview he did, I think, with Metal Injection on, like, YouTube or something, and just talking about, like, his process and, like, how he records, and he was really adamant about, like, we don't do drum triggers here, we don't do, you know, auto-tune stuff, like, we really work with natural sounds. Yeah. Um, and that, I was sold right there, like, that's exactly what we want, um, 
So we hit him up, booked the dates, and it was amazing. It was de- definitely the best sounding record we've ever done. And Kevin, you know, he's a workhorse like we are. So it's like there's no fucking around when you're in the studio. It's like, let's get this done. Like, do that better. Take, do that take again, you know, which is like it's exactly what you want. You just you don't want somebody just pushing a button and be like, all right, you guys cool with that. Yeah, he certainly doesn't handhold either, which is which is nice. Absolutely. And plus, he has just a plethora of like gear at your picking, you know, like you can just use any of the stuff that he has. So we had a field day just I think we had like a whole day of where we're just testing out dialing our guitar tones. Like, let's try this guitar in that amp through that cab and, you know, really like mixing and matching. And like, we got like the best sounding record I think we've ever had because of that. Yeah. After listening to your discography, I would say that that's absolutely correct. And, uh, and it's, it's also, I'd say the most dynamic record that you've done so far, uh, which the witch hazel records are I like them a lot, but they are a little, the tempos a little bit slower throughout, you know, you still have that on uh on magic and mischief but it's a little more it's, it's mixed up a little bit the the beginning seems like it comes at you faster and uh the of course the end uh, we'll get to that later but the the last track is a whole different thing uh when you were going into writing and making magic and mischief were, were these changes deliberate not really <laughs> to be honest we like our role is if it's if it doesn't make the record it makes the next record you know, um, and it's basically what are like the best seven to nine songs that we have at that time frame, and boom, that's the record. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, th- it definitely is kind of all over the. Place. It goes from like Iron Maideny, you know, traditional new wave of British heavy metal stuff to doomy stuff to. I mean, Dead Detectives is like a detective noir, eleven minute. <laughs> know what you call it, a concept song yeah that's what, uh, I, that's so, what yeah. I would say a concept song yeah yeah it, so yeah it, it it is really all over them well and that that 11 minute concept song dead detectives uh from what i saw got mixed reviews some places loved it some places hated it where did that song come from i mean is that is that um is that something do you think people can expect more of from spellbook on future albums um well Going back, it was kind of like the same thing we, we did with that 28-minute concept song about vampires called Nocturnity. Um, we kind of tapped more into that with this song. And it all just started from a bass line that our bassist Siebert came up with. And then our guitar player at the time, he just kind of ran with it on guitar. And just the second we started messing around with like the beginning riffs of it, it's like, man, this is super moody, atmospheric stuff. With this one, let's just go balls to the wall. Like, let's not worry about trying to make it a single or, you know, trimming anything down. Like any idea you got, let's just run with it. And at the end of it, it's turned into 11 minutes long and there's like narration, there's like voice acting going on, there's like sound effects, all kinds of crazy shit. Um, so yeah, it's... Not the first time we've done something quite like that. Um, I don't think it's going to be the last time, but um, for our upcoming record, we don't have anything quite as epic as that that's going to be on it. With you said, you mentioned the uh, 
that you had like voice actors and stuff for that. How, how did you arrange all that? And was there a lot of, was there always the thought that there is going to be this big piece at the end of the record, I guess? Like, like, did you know going into the recording session? Like, I, I, hold on, let me rephrase. How much of this was mapped out before you recorded it? Like, how do you practice a song like that? Um, so, we de- well, you practice the bare skeleton of it, yeah. basically, when, when you're in the rehearsal room. Um, but our guitar player... At the- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Time, Andy Craven, he's also a published author. He writes books. Um, So he wrote kind of the story and concept of what the song was going to be about. And when he sent me the lyrics to it, it had all these like quotations of like you know, paperboy shouts and then you know like <laughs> right. all this stuff and it's like oh man we're just going full blown cinematic with this so um we're like okay well we should definitely you know get some people to play these parts so we went with our friends uh, Rachel Robinson and Matt Suter two local friends um, two amazing singers that have always kind of been like the fifth and sixth member of our band, we always get them to like do our backup vocals. Like we've gotten them for, uh, I think back since Nocturnity. Um, so we brought Rachel and Matt in, um, and they also do backup vocals throughout the record, but we also got them to do the voice acting for that stuff. And yeah, it's once, once it was done, it was the kind of thing, like once you, you keep piling more to it, it just gets better and better and better. Yeah. So why stop? Just like, just throw every idea you got at it, and then at the end of the day, it is what it is. Right, and it's and at some point, it's well, pretty near it from the beginning. It's kind of over the top for anything modern, so you might as well just go all the way with it. You know, lean in entirety entirely because it's already there. You know, and that's and that's something I like, even if I don't particularly like the song. Actually, you know, here's the thing. I do like the I do like the song. I like the song parts of it. 
I just wish it was all once like one condensed song. Like that's because I feel like it's, there's some really cool song parts in it, but when it gets it gets drawn out, I get a little lost in it. But I but I think it's I still think it's cool. You know what I mean? Like I think it's so cool that you guys did it anyway. You did it like your totally own thing, and I feel like that's why it seems like such a polarizing thing that I've seen in these reviews that people have so many comments on it because it totally stands out, and uh, I think for good reason. Well, yeah, for. Anybody, it's either your favorite song on the record or it ruined the record. <laughs> it doesn't have to go that far, because I wouldn't say no, it ruined like, anything for me. The reviews were like, this ruined this record. Like, it was all good <laughs> up until then. And then like other people were like, this is, dude, that's my favorite song off that album. I was like, all right. <laughs> but we knew that when we were making it. Like, This is a total fucking oddball, weird song. And all we can do is just put all we got into it, and what it, what it is is what it is. But yeah, actually, it was never meant to be the last track on the album, actually. Originally, I had it as, like, I think in the middle of side B, and um, it was actually Cruz Del Sur's idea, like, no, like, this has to end the album, um, which rubbed me the wrong way, because it's like, guys, we're the artists, let us do what we want to do but um looking back like it probably is the best bet because it's like if you get all the way up to dead detectives and you still have amulet to go you might not get to amulet you might just right. shut it off dead detectives you know what i mean <laughs> no yeah i think putting it at the end i put it at the end is a good move because uh even well because my i mean it kind of makes sense to me if you hate it you just don't listen to it like you can just stop there but uh because yeah exactly yeah, it, it totally makes sense looking back. So yeah, I think that was the right move. What? What? Speaking of, like you said, maybe it's not your favorite. What is your favorite song? Um, probably either "Wants to the Sky" or "Amulet." Those seem to be like the two, you know, fan favorites. Is that "Wants to the Sky" has such a you know fast, energetic? Like it's great to open shows with that song. So it's always fun to play. That's what I was going to ask. Which one do you prefer? What do you prefer playing live? Oh yeah, definitely "Wants to the Sky." Yeah, it, it's. A great opener. People go nuts for. That's awesome. And it's got that, got that kick-ass drum intro, a la Deep Purple. <laughs> Deep Purple. Hey, and you know what? Last time we talked, I said the wrong song. I thought I thought about this like three hundred times since then. I said, I think I said Highway Star, which is not what I meant at all. I meant Pictures at Home, Pictures of Home. That's that's the Deep Purple song that I love. That starts with the drums. That. Oh, okay. That's gotcha. that, it, it's been bothering me. Like, like I'm glad we had to re-record this specifically for that reason. What if this was all just a scam <laughs> that I just wanted to bring up the right Deep Purple song? That's all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, but it could have been. Um, and I still say Fireball was the direct influence on the intro to "Wants of the Sky." That's fair. I, that's that's fine. You know, you know what? Today, earlier today, I was listening to. I was listening. I was on the elliptical listening to Deep Purple, and I specifically went with. Burn. I went with that record, and I think it was you. I think one of the things we talked about last time around was what we consider to be the best rock and roll song of all time, and I think that was your answer. Was it Burn? I yeah, I picked Burn just because it's like, fuck, isn't that like a nine minute song? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And it is just it blisters from start to finish. Like there's no letting up. You got both Coverdale and Glenn Hughes singing their nuts off. Um, you got Ian Pace shredding the drums throughout the entire thing the crazy like orchestral like movements that uh 
Blackmore's doing with the guitar and the organ, like little shit in the in the middle of it. It's just all over the place, but it's nonstop speed and like aggression. Yeah, no, it's it's, know, it's, I, it's a it's an awesome song. And you know what? The singer that I was trying to think of earlier for Black Sabbath that I couldn't remember is Glenn Hughes. Yes, that was. <laughs> now that you say it, that's who it was. That I was couldn't, the, well, I couldn't. Well, what record was? Oh, uh, I don't even know if he was on a record. Um, it was in the mid '80s. What record would that be? I don't know. Because uh, other homeboy from Deep Purple was on Born Again. Ian Gillen, yeah. Ian Gillen. Now he was just on that one record, I think. Was it Seventh? Maybe it was Seventh Star. I don't know who was on that one. Or that that was a bunch of. Might have been Seventh Star. I don't know. Nick, Nick, I apologize if you're hearing this. He's pulling <laughs> right now. So, How the fuck is you don't know this shit? It's all right. It's hard. You know. As much as I, I was thinking about this, we're going back to the beginning of the conversation, but I was thinking about this when I was talking to the guys who I was surprised they didn't know there was other singers than Dio and, and Ozzy for Black Sabbath. It's like, hey, it's, it's okay. Like, I'm, I'm, not making, I'm not making fun of somebody for not knowing everything about every fucking stupid rock and roll band there ever was. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's, plenty, there's tons of shit that I don't know, you know? And it's, but I feel like people are like, People feel like weird talking about stuff because they don't want to say they don't know. Like, hey, who cares? It's all right if you don't know stupid fucking trivia facts about music, you know? It's- well, speaking of which, it's funny because when we were recording the record with Kevin and we're trying to dial in our guitar tones, you know, we're trying to describe to him what we're going for, like, like a 1975, you know, like UFO, uh, kind of like sweet, uh, you know, kind of guitar sound. And he's like, I don't know what you're fucking talking about <laughs> so we, so we had to put on the album like have him listen to ufo you know yeah, um, yeah. so and that's great and he, that's that's a guy who knows his fucking music and you know it exactly and it benefits him so much to tell you it benefits all of you for him to just be honest and say i don't know what you're talking about oh yeah well ufo yeah like ufo is a band that i feel doesn't get a whole lot of uh credit these days but uh i i I, like you said i'd imagine you feel like there's a lot of ufo in spellbook 100 percent. yeah there were um i mean ufo they were iron maiden before iron maiden you know ufo and thin lizzie were doing those twin guitar harmonies i mean and wishbone ash i guess but other than that like no one else was really doing that back then um but yeah ufo's phenomenon that record from start to finish is like that's what i want spellbook like that (laughs) out Like that's what I'm writing to with every song. Like, that's that's a great one. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Wishbone Ash too, because I just listened to I was listening to their self-titled record earlier today. I've been on this thing where it's January, so I'm trying to listen to everybody's. I'm trying to listen to all um, first albums, debut records. Oh, uh, cool! Yeah. And uh, today I landed on Wishbone Ash because uh, I love Argus, but I never give the rest of it enough credit because um, that self-titled is great too. Lots of it's great, but specifically, I specifically love Argus. Argus is the one, really. Like when you're when you show somebody that band, it's like we'll start with this. Right, right. Well, so so you and I can throw back and forth these these uh, rock references, proto metal, whatever we want to call it, rock and roll. I don't know what do we call this type of music. I just call it rock and roll, but I mean, we always have. Like I've always considered Sabbath. Fit. You know, Deep Purple. I always consider that just like 70s rock and roll. But I guess the deeper you go, it's like, well, technically it's 70s metal. And a lot of people call it that. And a lot of people call it proto-metal, which I guess, like, 
if you want to consider Black Sabbath and Deep Purple proto metal, then that's what we are, I guess. You know right, what I mean? Right. Well, the, the reason I the reason I ask that is because I wonder how much and what's what's like the the demographic of the Spellbook fan? Because I feel like there's there's always going to be people that love rock and roll music, right? But typically we think of it as older people. Um, but is do you do you, do you see a younger crowd being into this type of music? I think so. Um, especially being so close to the Maryland doom scene, uh-huh. especially you know, in the early witch hazel days, um, we played a lot, you know, interacted with that scene a lot. And that's pretty much all ages. Um, the, the whole stoner doom stuff really runs the gamut. Um, and then metal metal, of course, like, you know, if you're going like priest and maiden, I mean, there's kids that are 12 years old listening to that right now, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. and we're kind of like, in between those two sounds so it's pretty it's pretty vast can you imagine that one day somebody's gonna be listening to uh what's the earliest one let's just say let's let's say rockarola judas priest which you know that's not one i go back to often but somebody's gonna be listening to that in uh i don't know what year it's gonna be it would have to be like 20 2070 something right and that album's gonna be 100 fucking years old and yeah. and and for some reason, like thinking about that is crazy to me that the this that rock and roll music is going to be. And I mean, it, it, someone would probably tell me it already is, um, but but like you know, proto metal, heavy metal, whatever is going to be a hundred years old at some point in the future. Anywhere is crazy to me. Well, in thirty years, the Beatles are going to be a hundred years old. That's you know okay. I mean? <laughs> they get they, yeah. Like like I can I can imagine that music being a hundred. Even though I like it, you know, it's not, and it's not that whatever. I don't even know what, how how this would ever make sense. What I'm saying, it's just this dumb thing I have in my head. It's like how in my head there are no humans in Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just something I've been convinced of for a very long time, and uh, it's, it's just, gonna be yeah, it's gonna be wild that people are like. Well, it's weird to me now that people are like bands like Slayer and Deicide are like dad metal. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, fuck, yeah, I guess they are, like, 30, 40 years old now. Like, Christ. Yeah, yeah. Just 60-year-olds. Man, it's weird. It's weird. Getting old is weird. But, but like, but like the first era of metal hasn't died yet. You know what I mean? Like, and that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's been, like, one of why I've been uh, more adamant about trying to get out to see these bands that I, that I haven't because I didn't a lot of them because I assumed they'd always be around. And now they're dead. Yeah. Like, like I never went to see Motorhead. That was a horrible mistake. I was just gonna say I got to see Motorhead one time, and I'm lucky I did. I was supposed to go <laughs> see him several times, and I bailed because of I don't know. I was supposed to go see Black Sabbath, and I said, "Nah, I'll catch him next time." Now they're probably not gonna play anymore. Uh, you know, the opportunities, or I never got to see Dio. Things like that, like wasted. They're gone. Yeah, you, you definitely you reach a certain age where it's like, well, fuck. It's now or never now, you know, it's like start thinking of like the bands that oh, I always meant to see them live. It's like make make the time because you're probably never going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you'll never get the chance. Well, I think that honestly, that's why the, the pandemic that was one thing that really uh, made me. So when I saw tickets go on sale for Judas Priest, you know, coming out of the pandemic, well, not coming out because we're still in it. But it was like, shit, he just turned 70. I still haven't seen Priest. I need to go now, you know, or yeah. or who knows. Um, and then the guy had a heart attack later on that tour. So, 
you know <laughs> days are numbered yeah. it can happen anytime but so anyway so you guys you guys are playing um quite a bit it seems lately now this is coming from a guy who barely leaves his house so it, so you can correct me if i'm wrong but i've seen you have a lot of shows at least locally you play in york you play in harrisburg um you, i saw you up in new york in new york for a couple of them how how uh how much time would you say you guys put into spellbook now is it like a weekly thing do you play every weekend what's what's your commitment um right now we rehearse twice a week um yeah once we uh once the record came out it was it came out during shutdown so there was nothing going on there was no tour or anything to support it um but we it still did well anyway but um after we recorded the record our guitar player Andy um, left the band, so it was kind of a blessing in disguise. Because, like, could you imagine? Like, we had this album, we're signed. There was talks of a tour of Germany before the pandemic hit, uh, and we don't have a guitar player. Like, holy shit! But um, pandemic hit, so that gave us a lot of time to reform the band, and we got two guitar players now, uh, Les and Pat. So we basically spent all of shutdown kind of just like writing new music with them over, you know, video chats, you yeah. know, cause we weren't having like live rehearsals yet. Um, so yeah, once, uh, once things started getting a bit safer, we felt more comfortable. Then we started having legit band practices with them. Um, and we basically wrote a whole album right out of the gates with them. But then once things started opening up, we had to kind of switch focus and like, all right, now we have to relearn the old stuff, come up with a set list of like otherworldly tunes and uh, magic and mischief stuff. So we uh, spent the whole summer uh, doing shows with those guys. And it was really weird because it's like dates would pop up and then they'd drop. Then a new one would come up and then they'd drop. And then we would play some. It was just like really like you couldn't, keep a hold on it you know so it's hard to like kind of you know i made like a a poster for like all of our dates you know but then it's like well two of those dropped because of pandemic stuff and then we got added to like three more so i just kind of stopped updating it <laughs> it's like if the shows happen they happen i guess yeah, yeah but um so yeah we spent the summer uh doing shows with them we like you said we played up in new york played uh down in delaware um you know, and a bunch of local stuff. But now um, we're gearing up to record our next record. So we do have a pretty restricted time frame on that. So we've been really rehearsing the shit out of these songs just to get them ready for the studio. So we've been rehearsing twice a week now. And what's the what's the plan for the next record, if you can talk about it? So we have nine songs right now. We're going to narrow that down to eight. Uh, we are going back to Kevin at Developing Nation Studios. Um, in the beginning of February, we have nine days to record a full length album and we have till March to hand in a completely finished album for Cruz del Sur or else the album's not coming out in 2022 thanks to the, uh, vinyl shortage. Wow. So that's, that's, that's it, a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Like we got a get really tight really fast and hopefully we can get everything done um in those nine days in the studio uh we already have the art, album artwork done 
Um, everything's kind of ready to go, except we just need to make the album now. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully we can get it done. <laughs> well, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like you got a plan at least. And I'll be impressed if, if anybody can get an album recorded and released in 2022. That seems like it's impossible. So if you guys can pull it off, I'll be very impressed. It sounds like, and nothing has been signed yet. So nothing's like set in stone, but the the goal is to submit an album to Cruz del Sur in March and hopefully have the album released late, late 2022. Right. So do you know, I mean, just out of curiosity, do you know, like, so working with a European label like that, do they press it all in Europe or do they have that done over here? Uh, they press it in Europe and then they send us copies to sell on the road gotcha okay interesting yeah so i assume yeah, europe they don't, they don't have any uh, offices in uh, the u.s quite yet right so but i assume europe is the uh, is under the same vinyl str- uh, vinyl shortage as we are yeah it's worldwide dude so weird yeah. such a weird thing yeah, what a time! <laughs> like I, like I, like I know everything is. You know, there's delays on everything right now from the type of work I do, and just you know, you'd have to be blind to not be aware of it. But like, never at any point did I think it'd be hard to get record new ones. Yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it seemed like a figure, dead world. Well, you figure, God, I mean, I don't know how many pressing plants there were pre-pandemic, but it probably wasn't a whole lot. You know, it's probably I don't know, maybe a hundred. I mean, I could be just talking out of my ass, but yeah. once one of those major pressing plants go down, like there's like a half of the vinyl industry. You know what I mean? It's nuts. Yeah, hey, you know what's you know what's really interesting, and we're both from the same, relatively the same area. So maybe you've maybe you're aware of this, maybe you're not. If you are, maybe you know something I don't know. But if you take George Street in York, straight up up north to like uh, the Mount Wolf area. There is a um, there is an old record plant there. It's like America's I forget what it's America Vinyl something or record something, right? It's like right across the street from like a giant gas station or a giant uh, grocery store, and you can see shelves full of records through the one window. But it's been shut down for years, and it's just like this place. Like, what the hell's in there? I want to go in there and go through the collection. I want to see what's in this building. Like, this building needs to be fired back up. And uh, you could have your, your no, records I, pressed right at home. I was not aware of that, to be honest. I'll have to talk to the guys about that. It's like a, it's like a closed down record pressing plant, but it's like right in right in York, north of York City. Yeah. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, get in there, and you can have that out in. You can have it pressed in March and out in <laughs> April. Yeah. DIY. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I have a question for you. Yeah. Have you ever heard? of a secret recording studio in the heart of downtown York City. A secret one? No. Okay. Apparently, the dude from Live has, like, a multi-million dollar oh, recording yeah. studio. Yeah, I know like, exactly where it's at. It's pretty obvious which, which building it is. Um, yeah, there's a big roof deck on it. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, I know exactly where it is. There's a... It's, it's, there's a uh, a gated parking lot where there's expensive cars in it. I mean, Everclear did an album there. Like, uh, is it? Yeah. Is it near the uh, the Revolution Stadium, baseball stadium? Just past it. Yeah, just north. It's just south of it. I would say. 
No shit. Okay. I wasn't S- sure if it was real. Southeast. I- just a couple blocks by the train tracks. <laughs> this is a very local conversation, but that's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it, no, dude, but, I heard like fucking like Lady Gaga flew in and like did some tracks there, and it's like a, like an unmarked building, just like in your yeah. City. It's a it's like a white. From what I remember, it's like a white brick building. Um, Think Loud Studios is what it's called. Oh, so it's not super secret. No, I'm just dumb. Oh no, it's, I just googled it. It says permanently closed. So oh no shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but it was it was a thing for a couple of years, and it was the dude from Live that like built it or some shit. Yep, yep. Chad Taylor is his name. Um, gotcha. Oh, okay. So I just I just Googled it, and not only was this thing uh, not secret at all, it's a big. It was a big white building, white brick building, with the words <laughs> in black on the side. Think loud. Well, fuck. <laughs> Well, I never heard of it. My buddy was like, dude, it's like a secret unmarked building and like Lady Gaga records there and it's right in New York. Holy yeah, shit. It's marked as shit. But yeah, yeah, it, that was. That was a, it was for a couple of years that there was a lot of cool music being, or cool or not cool, depending on what you think, but a lot of music being done right there in York, Pennsylvania by Chad Taylor. Well, he had a, he had a lot of metal coming out of there too because he had Carson Slovak and Grant McFarland. Uh, in there doing records as well so they do a lot of uh, they do more like metalcore stuff but that's that's where they were based out of and it was like candlebox and everclear and yeah they were all doing their records in york wow and this was like what 10 years ago no this is like five years ago man not even oh like when i moved out of there it was still there and i moved out of there three years ago so i could have just been hanging around and i might have saw lady gaga <laughs> yeah but you know you can do that in lancaster too right well, I don't know if she still has property there or not. She was like, <laughs> I think she was married to a guy from Lancaster, but they're not together anymore. Well, no, I just mean that they have, here in Lancaster, they have Rock Lidditz, which is where all the bands come to rehearse. So that's why, oh. that's why you, you'll see a lot of tours start in Reading, Pennsylvania or somewhere around here because they come to Rock Lidditz to rehearse their tour. Um, that's why Judas Priest's first show in two years was in Reading because they were here getting ready and that's it's like the launch off point yes i do know about that place a buddy of mine either worked there just or did work there for something and he's like yeah like they build the stages and shit and like metallica's gear is in there and yeah 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 you'll hear ariana grande is at the starbucks by the target and it's a big deal you know green days at the bowling alley and it's funny being you know the small the small town <laughs> And why this is here, I have no idea, but that's that's where it is. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to plug a big show we have coming up at the end of this month, January 29th, uh, at Love Drafts Brewery in Mechanicsburg, PA. It's the Nightmare After Christmas show. It's the seventh annual. It's five bands for three bucks. We got Prince Diamond, Sabbath Warlock, Us, Spellbook, Verminoth, and Wrath of Tyson. Uh, we do it every year. It's a big party. So... If you got no plans, January 29th, come on down. It's a great time. And t- January 29th at JB Love Drafts is that the, the you said the brewery, not the not the uh, not the bar, right? Correct. Not the micro pub in Harrisburg. It's the uh, actual brewery in Mechanicsburg, PA. Okay. And Prince Diamond. That's what is Prince Diamond? That's like a it's like a King Diamond tribute set, right? So. Prince Diamond is York County's premier tribute and the only King Diamond approved tribute to King Diamond. It yes. is awesome. It's our buddy Matt Suter. He sounds just like him. They do the whole stage show. They do all the hits. They only play once a year. 
and it's at the Nightmare After Christmas show.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Nate Tyson of Spellbook. And the song you just heard was Amulet, Fare Thee Well, which of course is off of Magic and Mischief. They're not quite debut full length, out now on Cruz del Sur Music. Be on the lookout for the next record, the as of yet untitled. Maybe. I don't know. We didn't go over that, but, uh, you know, why would they tell me that at this point anyway? Be on the lookout for whatever Spellbook's up to next. Uh, I'm sure it will be awesome. And that's going to be it for the first episode of the new year. Um, I want to thank Nate once again for doing that with me literally twice. I appreciate it. And I want to send you all out on a song that I'm not sure if it's good or not yet. I've listened to it a few times and I still don't know where I stand on it, but I but I like it enough to play it for you. This is Space Coke with their cover of Danzig's Twist of Cain. It's off of their Lunacy record. They just dropped it today, January 14th. So go check that out. Go check out that Maul record from the beginning of the episode that came out today as well. Just go check out some new music. There's something worthwhile out there for you. And if and if you don't like it, then just go back to Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. That's okay too. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.